1: Right now on Fast, a ride for the ages. The major averages slumped big time at the open before staging a rip-roaring rally, the Dow surging 1,500 points from its lows to the highs of the session. Was today's move just a short covering bear bounce or something more? Plus, Netflix and a short chill. The streamer taking the wraps off the pricing model for its ad-supported service, the street giving the move a big thumbs up. Did Netflix just win the latest round of the streaming wars? And later, is now the time to bank on strong bank earnings? Can energy stocks keep pumping profits? And one of our traders ringing the register on a winning move in Tesla. He'll explain this in Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with a great market rebound. Stocks bouncing back from steep losses early in the day to close sharply higher. The S&P finishing up 2.6% after briefly dropping below the 3,500 mark. It posted its biggest single-day swing since March of 2020. The Dow rebounding nearly 1,400 points from low to close. And the Nasdaq erased a more than 3% loss to finish the day with more than a 2% gain. The moves coming despite a hotter than expected inflation report, the latest CPI data showing consumer prices rose four-tenths of a percent from August to September in spite of a drop in energy prices. So is today's market action a sign that investors hope that this time inflation has truly peaked? Or did we get to a point on the S&P 500, because the low is 3491, where a lot of this was just technical, Tim?
2: So bad. Remember, we did this yesterday. Bad news is bad news. news. We did all this this silliness. It it, it, it was so bad. It was good. And and, but it was so bad because we were down 8 percent in from last Thursday to those intraday lows before rallying uh, 5.1 percent in 383 minutes today which is which is extraordinary and and look I it I'm gonna tell you that I I think nothing really changed today and in fact I know we're gonna have an inflation conversation with Bill Simon I I just think we have a case here where when you looked at that core and you looked at the fact that we're now in an economy where actually reopening pressure not an issue supply chain not an issue uh, and inflation is moving higher to to expect that this was the peak it would be silly in either way um, the Fed isn't going to respond to this I would point out we've got two CPI numbers between now and the December meeting that's the meeting That's more in play. 75 bips in November is a sure thing. And you can see that in the terminal rate in Fed funds.
1: And
3: the odds of 75
1: basis points in December has gotten a little bit higher today, Courtney, on the back of this report.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you have to pair what you saw today with yesterday. And markets are actually pretty muted after we got those PPI numbers. And now, again, with this reversal after CPI, I think at this point it's expected that the Fed is going to continue doing what they're doing through the end of the year. But at this point, I think we're looking past that. We knew that we were going to have a strong CPI number. People weren't surprised by that. think the idea is that people are hoping it's going to be coming down earlier next year. So I think that the hope is that this what's already in there has been priced in. So if you do start to see some of this easing to your point, through some of those um, reports that are coming through the end of the year, I think that will hopefully continue to to lead to this rally. Too early to say we're there, but I'm hopeful.
4: It's not too early to say. I mean, listen, we are not there. I mean, like, let's i mean, like, like, this was technical. Um, there's nothing fundamental here. When you think about all the tension that exists, when you have the sort of market that we have, the sort of sentiment that we had by market participants, the stuff that's going on in the UK that a lot of U.S. stock market investors don't really understand—be included, okay? So I don't mean to <laughs> condescend anybody here. There's just a lot of things going on that we just can't have our arms around totally. So you had really bearish sentiment. You had this data that was kind of expected right like so let's be frank none of us thought it was gonna be much cooler than expected right and give the fed reason to pause over the next you know few weeks as we go into that meeting so again to me nothing fundamental, definitely technical. I think the higher this were to rally, and we have to go back to last week, Monday, Tuesday, we had a 5% rally. Today, we had a 5% rally off of the lows from lower levels here. I would love to see this thing keep going. I would love to see maybe bank earnings not as bad as expected, get into some of the tech earnings in the next week or two, maybe because estimates have come down, continue to rally. We will get nowhere near Nowhere near the August highs, people. I'm just telling you, like, that's just my take. I know I sound very confident about that. You sound
2: hoarse, actually. Well, I do. do.
4: But my point is, is like the higher it goes, the more bearish I would get on the markets right here. And I know that we all have reasons to be incrementally less confident that the Fed's going to continue to raise after the November 2nd meeting. But to me, the higher we go near term, the lower we go when we finally take out these lows again in the near future.
1: Yeah, 3,500, guy felt like the level at which people were like, you know, I'm covering my shorts and uh, we're off sides here going in.
5: In retrospect, yeah, you know, there are a lot of words in the English language, Mel. I think you would Plenty. agree with that. Obviously, I'm, I'm not familiar have with nearly enough of them. And obviously there are obviously some words you can't say on cable TV, which I'm obviously cognizant of, but I guarantee this coming word I have never uttered in the sixteen years of fast money. Final That's tarnation. And Talk about it, I had so many people saying, What in tarnation? Happened today which I found fascinating people using that word and I would submit and we talked about this a couple weeks ago You know when the VIX got up to 34 ish uh, we talked about the negative gamma involved the fact that the market was down a few hundred points subsequently higher people chasing their tail and I think that's exactly what you saw today and I'll say this again and I guarantee I will be getting added the move down to me made a hundred percent sense the move higher was panic and that panic can last a couple more trading sessions But to Tim's earlier point, nothing changed except the price action. The same problems we had 24 hours ago we have today. As a matter of fact, I would submit, given those CPI numbers, a little bit worse.
2: I I would also say that we had some support over the last couple of days. The the Bank of England has... Given us a lot of headlines over the last couple of weeks, and 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 some of the forced selling was not just in CLO positions; it was in overseas ex, overseas equities by a lot of these UK accounts, and 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 actually part of the rally today, and and we. If you've been trading these markets for a long time, often you wait for Europe to go home, and and in fact, this is when this rally took place. You wait for Europe right. to go home, but um, we'd already seen a major rally in the gilt market, and and to me, this has been part of the disturbance. It's part of that eight percent move to the lows uh, of intraday today. And so again, the UK market, uh, I don't. You know, we we talked about how. Some of the dynamics around the derivatives markets were just starting to hear about pension funds. They said 150 to $200 billion was wiped off the balance sheets of those pension funds in the U.K. That will be painful. There's more of it. But price action, traders action, that helped today.
1: You almost wish, though, that this rally didn't happen on the precipice of earnings season. I mean, the setup um, just got a little bit more difficult for an earnings season in which the guidance is going to be so scrutinized. And, and people aren't really expecting much from it.
3: I don't think that today itself puts us in any worse position coming into earnings. I think expectations are already so low, and that's on both the consumer front and on institutional investors. I mean, you're seeing sentiment is, is really near record lows right now, and so that actually I think continues to set us up as a good position as we go into earnings. Um, banks are definitely going to be the one that everyone's watching, which starts tomorrow. But
1: rallying today into earnings ahead of bad guidance, let's say theoretically, right? Expectations are low. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you have rather gone in like at lows? Well, of course, sold we would. off.
3: Of course we would. But I think you want to look at it relatively, though, and I don't think that today puts us in that much worse of a position.
2: I mean, banks banks are you know, outside of today's move, which, uh, you know, we, we rallied three to four percent and, and even a little bit more in a couple of the you know Citibank was downgraded and rallied aggressively because the targets now are better. But, you know, this is a case where financials are down 30 percent into today. So uh, yes, I hear you, um, and, and, and I think what's good about this third quarter setup is that the bar is lower. And, and I think the bar was so low going in the second quarter it was kind of a relief, and the second quarter ended up being constructive for markets.
1: You know, what's interesting is the ARK Innovation ETF didn't catch a bit at all today at all. And I was sort of a little bit surprised yeah. by that, that, it, you know, even in this huge rally, we didn't see a rally. Yeah,
4: it looked like money flows went to areas where people feel pretty confident about, you know, like, like Microsoft was up more than 4 percent today. Right. Apple was up more than 3 percent. The move in energy, and then we're going to probably hit that a little bit later, too, was really quick. You know, and one of the things that I noticed is that as soon as that CPI print, we saw the 10 year rip above 4 percent, OK, make a new high for this cycle here. And what did we see? We saw the Nasdaq just went down three and a half percent or something in a straight line. And some of those names never really got going again other than the big mega cap. So I think higher rates is still going to be a pressure on names that don't have earnings and still trade at high multiples where there's uncertainty about their revenues going forward in a difficult economy. All
1: right. Our next guest is known for leading one of the world's biggest retailers. Bill Simon is a former Walmart U.S. CEO. He joins us now. Bill, great to see you as always.
0: Hey, good to be with you. I'm glad I'll do what you guys do for a living. What a wild ride.
1: (laughs) What a crazy day, huh? Um, CPI and and what it tells us about inflation and the pressures that the consumer is feeling at the same time, we've got, you know, Amazon's second Prime Day underway, Target's Deals Day underway. What's your take on where the consumer stands right now?
0: Well, I mean, the consumers, we have 70 percent of our economy is consumer driven, and the consumer is going to be the way out of this. Right now, the consumer is still pretty flush employment's high and wages are high so the consumers got a fair amount of money now they're facing prices like they've never seen before and from the consumers perspective it's about inflation and gas prices and both of those uh, are, you know are, are starting to you know hopefully see the top um, I, I think there's a lag in, in inflation as, as retailers and restaurants and consumers put the component prices in. That, that they've had over the last several months into the retail prices, um, we, I think we're seeing the, the lag effect of that. Uh, and so hopefully we'll, we're at the top of it now and we'll start to see it coming down.
1: How do you think about, Bill, uh, a consumer that is still flush with cash, still going to spend money, but presented with a lot of deals and a lot of deals driven by uh, a desire by the retailers to get rid of inventory? So those are sales with lower margins, presumably. Um, so they might spend, but will the retailers actually see a benefit?
0: You No, know, they won't. I-, I think the retailers have a dilemma, right? They're good inventory. Uh, there's there's consumers that are flush with cash and they're they're willing to spend on good inventory and they don't want to buy bad inventory at any price. And the things that are on deal isn't the good inventory. It's typically it's typically the things that they're oversold in. Uh, now some of the Prime Day two deals were pretty good, but um, I you know basically from what I'm seeing and hearing that you know it's been kind of a meh. There's not a lot of activity and, and action on on it. Same with same with the. Uh, you know, the counterbalance from Target and from Walmart. So it's really hard to say. I, I think the holidays are going to be good because the consumer has cash, but they're going to be very, very picky and going to be buying on deal. They're going to buy on deal, but buy the buy the, the frontline merchandise on deal, which is going to be painful for retailers.
2: Hey, Bill, it's Tim. We know Walmart and Target and some of the retailers we talked about are cutting because of inventory issues. But when I read your notes, I thought most interesting, the mechanics of how inflation is a lag trickle through to pricing and that these companies are just getting going. Talk to us about that and give us a timeline for when you think they're going to peak on their pricing, assuming even a sideways environment for us.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's really the case. And Walmart's a great example. They do everything they can do to hold prices down when when they start to see component prices increase and, and you know, wholesale prices from their suppliers increase, they'll hold prices down as long as they can. And when they start to put the price in, it's usually after everybody else has. And so we're we're starting to feel the impact of the component prices, you know, labor, manufacturing labor costs are up, transportation costs have been up, and those prices are just now reaching retail stores. Um, and so hopefully the, the pain that we've seen coming over the last six months is now at the consumer and hopefully we're at the top. And I would, you know, based on what I'm seeing by the end of this year, probably the fourth quarter will peak and start to see it come down into the first quarter of next year and hopefully uh, something reasonable by the second quarter of next year.
1: Bill, uh, maybe a couple months back, I asked you, would you rather Walmart Mm -hmm. or Target? And you interestingly said Target. Um, And it sounds, according to the notes, like you may be changing your mind just a little bit, that you've got some doubts about Target. So I'll ask you the question again. Walmart or Target?
0: I think Walmart now. Um, I think because of the (laughs) food business that they have, they're going to have traffic through the holiday season. And and that food traffic will give them the ability to sell their general merchandise. So I think they're going to have a good sales fourth quarter. I think the margin will be challenged in the fourth quarter, but frankly, that's priced in already, as far as I can tell.
1: All right. Bill, great to speak with you. Thank you. You bet. Bill Simon.
4: Um, well consumer credit is just going through the roof we're at all-time highs here right and we're doing that at a time where interest rates have gone up precipitously we know the savings rates going down we know the cost to kind of finance existing debt is going up dramatically we know food costs are higher gas at the pump is higher I mean the list goes on and on so I, I challenge the fact that the consumer the US consumer right now is so strong and when you think about it if the Fed is really going to nail this landing they need unemployment to go up and what is that going to do well, to this consumer that is already binging on credit at a time where interest but they have a job
2: I, I totally agree with you on that but for but now. At, at, for now is what they but but, but we've seen wage inflation too and again look at the year over year wage numbers i mean those are a big part of the inputs on the inflation side i Look, I just think it's more of delaying the inevitable. I, I do think that unemployment is going to go higher. Oh, I, I do, know, think that do that you the want to buy strap.
4: stocks right now in the retail space or, or consumer oriented based on a strong consumer? That's really, really uh, backward. Just some uh,
2: discretionary but, scares me. Look what they've done to Nike. Right. Look what they're yeah. trying to do to Lulu. But but for Walmart and today we had Walgreens out there who I think has been punished going into this. I think this is where you are seeing the consumer trade down. And they, if you have a job, you're paying your bills. Um, you may not be shopping in, in the same places, but you are and you may be um, trading down. But again, right. so know yeah, yeah, I don't think you're buying the high multiple discretionary to me, but I think there's plenty of places that the consumer's are alive.
1: And that's exactly what Walmart said before, that the consumer's trading down, they're getting more higher uh, income households shopping at Walmart. Guy, so would you rather? We asked Bill Simon. He switched. He went from Target to Walmart. So where do you stand?
5: I watched Jeopardy the other night, so I'd like to go off the board for 500 And I'd say Dollar <laughs> General. I mean, I keep coming back. Valuation is a concern, but... This stock is really hanging in there well at this 240 level, really hasn't given it up with the rest of the broader market. So I think Dollar Gen is showing its relative strength vis-a-vis some of these other names. So sorry I didn't play the game correctly, but you didn't expect me to, I know.
1: I have low expectations, I do. Uh, coming up, <laughs> an electric Boom. explanation. Tesla jumping in today's rally, but not before touching its lowest level since last June. And the move had one of our traders closing out of position. We got the details straight ahead. But first, high energy, the XLE leading today's market rally is crude climb. So which stocks are worth pumping into? The names when fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money Energy, one of the best performing sectors in today's market surging more than 4%. Halliburton, Devon Energy, Williams Company is leading the gains. The stocks outpacing gains on crude oil and gasoline, though nat gas did post a 4% gain. Uh, Tim, what would you make of this? Uh spurt higher?
2: We've had all kinds of macros, so I won't talk about OPEC Plus and and the the dynamics that I think exist that that continue to put upward pressure on oil prices, but but if you're an oil services company, um, the dynamics that are also around administrative decisions or policy decisions about what people can and cannot do in terms of drilling, people need to do more drilling, and and they're going to do more drilling, but but the oil drillers are run so differently than they were, and I go back to Schlumberger as a technology company, and, and they are free cash flow generative. They're nowhere near the earnings power they had in 2015, and that's, as a shareholder, that's what I want to get to. And, and I think you're starting to see that that move of free cash flow.
1: Yeah. Court?
3: Yeah, I think energy has has been the space really that's been everyone's safe haven this year relatively. And I do think that's going to likely continue to be the case because I think all those fundamentals haven't changed here. There's still supply demand constraints. Um, a lot of these companies, I mean, you can have energy any, or oil anywhere from like $30 to $50 a barrel depending on the company and they're still going to be profitable. And if energy prices are going up, like we're seeing now, it's only going to benefit to them to the positive. So I think you want to definitely continue to be in the sector.
1: Yeah. Guy, would you make it this uh, move here?
5: Makes sense. You know, Tim's talked about this. The best thing counterintuitively has happened in the energy world or space is, is basically the policies of the Biden administration. And ESG was probably, in retrospect, uh, the kick in the rear end that a lot of these companies needed. Because as we've said countless times, they're now run better than they've ever been. And they're better um, capitalized and their balance sheets are better than they've ever been. They were forced... To make those moves right now as we speak ConocoPhillips phillips all-time high exxon Mobil within a whisper chevron a little bit off an all-time high but those three names very quietly continuing to grind higher and if crude were just to sort of go sideways for the foreseeable future these stocks should continue to rally so i still like the space
1: all right there is a lot more fast money to come here's what's coming up next
0: a tesla two-step The EV maker getting back on the road after hitting quite the pothole this morning. But the early move lower had one of our traders shutting the trunk on this trade. The details next. Plus, Netflix and a 15 to 30 second chill. The streaming giant laying out its new ad supported tier. So does the plan give Netflix a glow in the streaming wars? You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square we're back right after this
6: what's on the horizon for financial markets at pGM it's a question that over 1400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals specialized across asset classes but united in collaboration our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla revving up at the close, but it was a rough start to the day with the stock heading its lowest level since June of 2021. Interestingly, the last time Tesla traded at 206, its intraday low, Five months later, it more than doubled. Of course, back then, shares were trending higher. Not quite the case right now. So, Dan, you tweeted earlier today that you close out a bearish position. So walk us through the trade. Yeah, and yeah I just thinking. tweeted
4: it because, I mean, listen, I've been pretty like adamant Vocal. about the whole story. Yeah, a little bit about the story. And listen, I've been wrong lately. If you look at this chart, you look at these moves, and you talk about the way it's been trading, you can be right on the upside to a great degree, and you can be right on the downside to a great degree. I think things are just getting started. That being said, it made a match low. That was my target to the day downside when the stock was trading around 300 in the in in the summer. And so I got there. And I, again, we talk about it on the show all the time. When you were trying to press shorts at relative lows, it's just not a great sort of setup here because you get these sort of snapbacks. So to me, I'm out of this position here. Um, I don't like this story. I probably like it less now at these levels, but I'm not willing to be there on the short side. I think they're going to report um, early in the cycle. I just can't think it's going to be good when you think about their dependence on China from a manufacturing standpoint, from a demand standpoint, the dollar, what's going on in Europe, the German, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I don't like it. I'm going to wait for an opportunity for it to bounce. Though.
1: Uh, Guy, would, however you feel about Tesla, and clearly there's a lot that Dan doesn't like about Tesla, first and foremost probably Elon Musk. Um, Tesla has been a great trading vehicle.
5: No doubt about it. I think we've done a decent, listen, as you know, I'm wrong a lot. This one, I think we've collectively done a decent job And we've said for a while, especially when the Twitter news broke, the real trade was to be out of Tesla. And if you had the temerity, another great T-word, by the way, this stock was a great one to short. And it traded down at its trough today, new 52-week low. Stock was down 50% from the November all-time high. That's a pretty remarkable move that nobody seems to want to admit to or realize. So here we are. I think you can get a bounce off these levels, but you're going to reload again to the downside because I don't think the worst is over.
1: All right, well, one options trader is much more bullish, making a big bet on Tesla rallying over the next year. Mike Coe is here with the action. Mike.
7: Yeah, Tesla always the busiest single stock option, or at least it is on most days. It was today in the first place over Apple, trading more than a million contracts above what Apple did, actually. Uh, There was a lot of weekly activity on the volatility that we're seeing this week, but the trade that caught my eye was a purchase of the January 2024 350 360 call spread. Uh, I saw a print of over 30,000 of those trading for 147.5, and ultimately, over 37,000 of them uh, ended up trading by the end of the day. So that's a more than $5 million premium outlay that Tesla could regain its April highs, which is uh, 365 or slightly above. But to uh, Dan's point, I think one of the things that we might be looking for in the next set of 13Fs is to see whether a big shareholder sold their position and replaced it with this that would be a way to essentially ca- recapture some of their losses if it bounces without taking any more risk to the downside. Yeah,
1: good point there, Mike. Thank you, Mike Co. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That is tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, not so chill anymore. Netflix adding a new ad-supported tier, and that comes with commercials. But will the move give the company a leg up in the streaming wars? We've got the details next, plus big banks on deck to report results tomorrow. So how will the financials fare? We're digging into that space and Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another check on today's market action. Stocks staging a huge reversal from this morning. The Dow jumping more than 800 points. The S&P and Nasdaq both surging more than 2%, breaking six-day losing streaks. Take a look at Domino. Shares soaring more than 10%. It was the best performing stock in the S&P. But not everyone joined in on the gains. Etsy dropping nearly 10%. It's worst day since May. And an after-hours move in Beyond Meat. Shares slightly higher after reports of new job cuts as demand for plant-based meat cools. Turning now to Netflix, the chairs jumped 5-plus percent after announcing details of its soon-to-be-launched ad-supported tier. The plan, which will include 15 or 30-second commercials, will cost $6.99 a month. That's a dollar less than Disney and the Hulu plans that include ads and three bucks less than HBO's version. So did Netflix just win the latest round of the streaming wars, Tim?
2: I think they've changed the conversation. Uh, whether they've won anything, I don't know. And if you listen to The Street today, you've had a chance for the, for the Wall Street analyst community to react. J.P. Morgan says this could be $3 billion in incremental UCAN revenue by 26. Uh, Cowan said this could be $4 million new subs by 23. Um, I, I just think that it's no longer about stagnant or sub, you know, contraction, which has been the story of Netflix for about a year here. I think it's about where are we getting incremental? We still haven't really heard their solution to the password sharing dynamic. And and I think um, it's it's. Netflix is a little bit like Tesla. When things are going great, nobody cared about the valuation. Nobody cared. And everybody said they have great content. Now people are, you know, where's the great content at Netflix? I, I, look, I think they're doing a decent job. Uh, and again, it's been about the, what kind of money are they going to throw at content? Are they pulling back here? But um, I'm long Netflix. So that's that's me talking. And I, I want to see it break that 250 level.
1: Yeah. Courtney, what do you think of this? I mean, the stock really rallied when this news was released, spike higher, I mean, along with the markets, but still.
3: Which, you know, and I love to see the positive hop here, but mm. I do think when you look at Netflix, it's interesting they priced it a dollar lower than Hulu and Disney, as if like that one dollar might get subscribers from one place or the other. But I think it's ultimately gonna come down to content, right, and I think they have completely different content than they do Disney. And I, do, I don't I do think the subscriber story is going away. I think you still need to have the subscriber growth because even if, um, and to their point, they're basically gonna net out. So if anybody downgrades from the subscription they have now to the ad ad model tier, um, it's basically gonna be a break even for them. So need to get additional subscribers. And I don't know if we're there yet, And especially at this valuation. It still seems expensive to me.
1: Yeah. It, you know, I, I was trying to think about that and whether or not, you know, this would be cannibalizing and ultimately not necessarily a, a good thing for Netflix. But some of those people might have actually just canceled period guy and are actually trading down instead of churning out.
5: It's interesting. That would require me to know how to cancel, which clearly I'm not one of those people. Listen, but is it in the stock? And I would submit that Netflix, wait for it, Mel, put the tourniquet on this spring after that steep decline, and they've figured things out. And I understand what Courtney's saying, but for the first time in a long time, you can actually make a pretty cogent argument for Netflix on valuation, even with the rally we've seen over the last couple months. And in terms of Tim's comment about um, content, I'll tell you, All Quiet on the Western Front's coming out, and that looks amazing.
2: I'll be tuning in for that one, Melms. Surprised you're not watching that on your Sony Betamax. Or your VHS recorder. Or the original. You mean this well, is a remake? Say that, a remake of the original?
1: Yeah. <laughs> is this a re- oh, it's a remake. Yes. Why do they have to Mel's. remake all the originals yeah. yeah. that are desk. good? I don't get that. Can't they come up yeah. with new stuff? laser.
4: But anyway. I, laser yeah, i just said this. We've been talking the about the relative strength in this stock versus the NASDAQ over the course of the last few months. And there was a couple massive gaps going back to January and then again, um, you know, in April. And, you know, listen, I, I'm with Tim. I mean, I really like this story. I like the relative strength. I kind of feel like we're in a market where there's like one more gap lower. You know what I mean? like one more, they got this good news there. That being said, if they are able to have this news out, articulate how this new, if they're able to capture this and drop straight into margin and they were able to guide decently for the quarter, to your point, it's filling in that
2: gap. I just, I don't own the stock. You might get that. I mean, they buckle up. They, re- they announce on Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this is not All for the faint of heart or- when they announce and it
4: Uh, I'm just saying, if it were to gap down 20%, the implied move in the options market would probably be 15 or 20%. If it does go back towards those lows from the spring, I do think it's a buy there.
1: Coming up, get ready for Financial Friday. Big banks gearing up to report results. RBC's Gerard Cassidy will join us next to break down what is in store for this group. And throughout Hispanic Heritage Month, we're celebrating your teammates and contributors. Here's the CEO of Restaurant Brands.
0: I think the
7: story... Uh, of the, the, the Cuban uh, immigrant is, is not well known. It's a pretty compelling story um, of of difficulties, challenges, uh, leaving everything behind, not for economic reasons, but but for political reasons. For example, my, my mom came as a 14-year-old. Uh, she had to leave everything behind, became a very successful educator later in life, became a, a PhD and and taught in universities. And uh, and like that, there are many other examples of, uh, of very successful uh, Cuban immigrants. And so I, I think the story is one of, of difficulty and challenges that were overcome Uh, because of perseverance, because of grit, because of optimism and, and because of a tremendous work ethic.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money Q3 bank earnings kickoff tomorrow with JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Morgan Stanley and Citi all reporting before the bell. Banks trading higher ahead of the reports, though many stocks still near their lows of the year. For more on what to expect from the sector, let's get to Gerard Cassidy, head of U.S. bank equity strategy at RBC. Gerard, great to have you with us. Thank you, Melissa. I feel like we've, we've heard from a lot of the big bank CEOs talking about the consumer, talking about the economy. I'm wondering if you extrapolate anything from what they're saying in terms of what the banks will say in guidance.
8: I think what we're going to see tomorrow are some very strong numbers in selected business lines. You just touched on it, Melissa, with the consumer. The consumer is in good shape. I think we're going to see that their deposit levels are still above the pre-pandemic levels. Consumer spending, we anticipate to hear double-digit year-over-year growth in, in the debit card uh, transactions, along with credit cards. So that's one area that I think is, uh, we're going to see some strength.
5: Gerard, you're, uh, you're in Mount Rushmore for analysts, not bank analysts, analysts, period. So my question is-, is pretty simple. You watch these things. It its trough today. J.P. Morgan was trading about 1.4 times tangible book. We haven't seen levels like that in a while. What's the right level for the premier name in the space? I think what we're
8: going to see over the next six to 12 months, once the Fed gets to the terminal rate, based on history, when you look at what the banks did, you saw them come back very strongly. And on a price to changeable book basis, Guy, I would say it's two times. So that's really where we should be targeting over the next 12 to 18 months.
2: Hey, Gerard, it's Tim. So Wells Fargo really never made Mount Rush for, at least they're not in the Mount Rushmore of money center banks because of some of their missteps and some of the improprieties. But yet this is the bank that has outperformed everyone and seems to have more earnings power. Can you talk about the potential to that one?
8: It's interesting with Wells because, as you know, they still have the cease and desist order and they also have the asset cap. So the stock has performed well because they're very focused on reducing expenses as well as their asset sensitivity. They also have the, the best deposit uh, mix of all the big banks. And for the first time in 15 years, investors need to focus on the deposit mix. And Wells has got one of the best out there. So I think the reason that is doing better is because people know the margins are going to be very wide when they announce tomorrow and for the uh, fourth quarter as well.
1: Apparently, you have to pay attention also um, to what banks pay on those deposits, Gerard. And you make that differentiation when you take a look at some of the regionals versus the larger banks that may have to pass on the higher interest rates to wealthier consumers versus some of the regionals.
8: Melissa, you're absolutely right. And and even uh, more challenging is the institutional deposits that Bank of New York and State Street have, as well as the corporate deposits. We really want to own banks that have what I call grandma and grandpa deposit accounts. And then also, how about the checking accounts? We all have our checks deposited into our checking accounts, pay our monthly bills, and the banks are not gonna pay interest on those deposits. So those are the banks you wanna own, and they are the regionals, as you pointed out.
1: Gerard, great to see you, thank you.
8: You're welcome, Melissa, thank you.
1: Gerard Cassidy of RBC. Courtney, where are you in the financials?
3: I've actually, I've I've been optimistic on the financials here. I think there is so much pessimism and the valuations have become so much lower. And I would not be surprised to see some um, expectations above, um, I'm sorry, some surprises of the positive here. So I'm actually looking um, forward to tomorrow. We'll see what we see. But I'm, I'm pretty optimistic here. I'm also
4: looking forward to tomorrow. I mean, one thing that's really interesting, when you look at... Because the, of the banks or for other reasons? Well, no, because of the <laughs> banks. Um, when you look at Morgan and Goldman, they did not make new lows in this uh, period that we had over the last couple of weeks. You saw uh, you know, City mm-hmm. Bank of America, J.P. Morgan all do it and really act very poorly. I mean, we talked about J.P. Morgan filled that that entire gap going back to early November 2020 when we had the kind of the vaccine move or something. So they've led to the downside. The investment banks act okay. I'd say this, you know, guys, Blackstone, um, they just did a huge deal in the insurance space. And this is the second they did that deal um, earlier in the year or last year with AIG. So it looks like they are looking to kind of do some really interesting moves, add um, assets under management and get into some new spaces um, in in this downturn. So uh, BX looks interesting.
2: So so the bank earners are going to highlight the difference in the business mixes. And they're they're all very different at this point. Morgan Stanley is is not a money center bank for sure. That may sound obvious, but I mean, they're they're very much an asset and wealth manager, and that's more than 50% of their business. And that's why they've been so defensive. I just, you know, I look at money center banks. They are trading as if we've gone through a major credit crisis or we're about to. And I get that. Um, And I think there's a a loan portfolio that some of these have to worry about. They're certainly not going to see that income. But net interest income for banks right now, we haven't had this moment in such a long time. And and they aren't paying interest anywhere near where Fed funds are. And and so the spread right now is as good as I think it's going to get. And it's not going away right away.
1: Guy, you know, when you asked the question about valuation, I felt like I, I sort of was in your head. I knew where you're going with this. Because that row to two price tangible book, it could be a, a, r- a rough one in the meantime. I mean that may be the where they should be in 18 months, but from now to 18 months, I don't know. If you, if you are in the camp that the S and P 500 goes lower, unemployment ticks higher, et cetera, et cetera, can you be in banks?
5: You can. That's that's the right. That's the rub. I think some of these banks have discounted so much. I don't want to give away a later trade for so bad it's good, so I won't. But <laughs> I think Goldman Sachs, it's sort of, a, it's like, excuse me, J.P. Morgan, it, what I consider a trough valuation at current levels makes sense. I will tell you, I think Goldman Sachs quarter is going to be ridiculous in a good way. I mean, they proved themselves last quarter with their trading. They're going to do it again. Whether or not the market rewards them, it remains to be seen. But I think Goldman's going to knock the cover off the ball.
2: Must be scary being in his head, by the way. It's, I mean, it's what's, it, what's it feel like? Dark, yeah. A lot, a lot, a a lot, lot of room there. and LEDs up. A lot of like T soundtrack
1: yeah, of that. Words floating yeah. around. All right. T-words. Do not forget to tune into Closing Bell tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, for a first on CNBC interview with the Wells Fargo CFO, Mike Santamassimo. Coming up, not a single, not a double, but a trader triple play. We are diving into three big movers from today's session. We had those names. Uh, what had those names moving next? Fast Money's back into. We've got a trader triple play on earnings today. First up, Delta, the airline's seen revenue takeoff to a record in Q3 fueled by summer travel demand. <coughs> shares up 4% today. Also, Delta projecting Q4 capacity will get back to pre-pandemic levels. And rem- remember, according to this uh, morning's CPI report, airfares are up nearly 43% from a year ago. Ed Bastian was very, very, very positive on this one this morning on CNBC. Um, Tim, what do you make of this one? It was a strong guide.
2: Um, the operating margin, 11.6, was kind of in line. That's a bit of a relief. Uh, but what they guided for the next quarter in terms of revenue growth, you know, up 5 to 6%, uh, very good environment. Maybe not a lot of relief from from airfare, uh, excuse me, from oil prices uh, that feed into airfares. Um, but, again, I, I, they've given us a lot of guidance along the way here, and, and it's not really an issue about demand right now. It's not an issue about international. It's not an is- right. issue about the two-year stack. Um, it's really an issue about some of the fundamentals of getting pilots back to work and whatnot.
3: Yeah, actually, I was to say the same point. Demand is not the problem with travel. And I think they really reiterated that. And you're even seeing some of the other airlines saying the same thing. And you're even seeing business travel come back, which is really higher margins for them. So I think looking forward, especially if we do end up seeing inflation coming down next year, we start to see energy prices coming down eventually. That's only going to be a positive for them. Um, So, yes, I think this is very positive. I love to see their guidance, and I think it's a great opportunity.
1: Favorite airline here, Guy?
5: Delta, I think it's the best run. I think, listen, valuations on most of them are, I think, compelling, but I think Delta is the best run. So DAL for me, Melms.
1: All right, up next, Walgreens, a stock gaining more than 5% after beating at the top and the bottom lines. Walgreens raising its long-term sales targets, but warned that it faced tough comps, that it faced headwinds from a stronger dollar and softer demand for COVID-19 vaccines. You're just talking about this, Tim.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case where you you've got a big of a relief, though. I mean, you you had a, 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 they were tied to to Rite Aid, they were tied to some other stories. Um, they've also guided and given a much better margin number. Uh, look, I'm long the stock too. It's been brutal, um, and and I think this is a chance a chance to actually have some insight, have some visibility. Um, I think the pharma business is is also one that that will rebound and one that there's there's been a lot of headwinds there.
1: Yeah, it may have been tied a little bit to uh, CVS in terms of the the Medicare star rating. Yep. Um, downgrade there, Guy. What do you make of these?
5: Stock is brutal. I mean, it just traded down to a multi year low, I think October 7th. It's bounced 10%, but at least this quarter and subsequent guidance, you can wrap your head around valuation, which has been compelling the whole way down. But at least now you can do some math and say, you know, even with the headwinds they face, this stock should go higher from here. So I liked it a couple of weeks ago. I still like it now.
1: Taiwan Semi meantime, shares closing higher after reporting an 80 percent jump in quarterly profit. TSM also getting a boost on a report that it will get an exemption from U.S. export restrictions to China. But slowing demand, rising costs continue to weigh on its bottom line, prompting TSM to cut its spending forecast by about 10 percent for the year. Um, The CEO talking about just an industry-wide slowdown. It's not immune to it, Dan.
4: Yeah. And again, we know this. We've been talking about this. We've seen the pre-announcements again and again by a lot of these companies. I'll just say this is a sector that Tim has really articulated the relative underperformance to many of its large cap NASDAQ peers to the markets. This is one you're going to want to start averaging into in the not so distant future. Because if you look at the SMH, the ETF that tracks the Philadelphia semiconductor, you know, that pre-pandemic high was about 150. Now that looks like a long ways away. But a couple more disappointing reports from some of the major components in here. um, You're going to get the stock or the ETF in this case coming in your direction. So SMH is one that I start um, averaging into in the not-so-distant future. Taiwan Semi and NVIDIA make up 20% of this ETF.
1: Ambassador. Yes. And I hearken back uh, to your old nickname. Taiwan Semi. Because are you worried at all that there may be a political sort of cross-current that could affect Taiwan and that Taiwan Semi and that maybe it it will trade at a discount to its peers in the sector simply because of that particular cross current.
2: I think it's endured that over the last three weeks and the headlines in in terms of uh, the the U.S.-China chip restrictions. uh, But I'll say this about Taiwan Semi's core business doesn't really fall into that category. They're, they're not in the AI. They're not really uh, in the high, the HPC chips. And I, I would get back to what Dan said. I mean, this is, this is uh, to me, cycle-wise, um, at some point you're starting to buy this. And this is a company that I think has given you pretty much a green light when they caution for next year. They're working through bad inventory levels now. Pricing, this, this was a relief. This were great numbers. It's why Semi's
1: outperformed today. Yeah. Guy?
5: Made a 52-week low today before the market turn. has not been trading well. And you think about it, this is one of the biggest companies in the world. $343 billion market cap has not performed well for a while. But maybe today was that sort of capitulation bottom. And in terms of TSM, to Dan's point, you could start nibbling into semis. But I do think there's one more leg lower in most of these names, if not all.
3: Yeah, and I agree. There might still be a leg lower, but I do think we're getting closer to a bottom here. I mean, these things are getting so much cheaper. And I think finally seeing these things not trading lower on the negative news we already knew about, I think, is a positive sign that maybe a lot of this is starting to get priced in.
1: Coming up, nowhere to go but up. The names that are so bad, they are good. Our traders have their picks. The stocks and your final trades next. Welcome back to Fast Money. Last night, the chart master was here, and so we played so bad it's blank. Carter gave us a few names, looked good after recent sell-offs, we figured let's ask the rest of the game to name what they think is so bad that it's good. So Tim, we'll start off with you.
2: I think it's applied materials, and we just started to get into that with Taiwan Semi. The export ban is certainly going to have an impact. They pre-announced their October quarter, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, and that was part of a 25% move down over the course of five or six days. I don't think they're that affected by it. And again, a lot of this is is at least offset in the short term, in terms of supply disruption and dynamics that I think have gotten a lot better for AMAT. So if you look at them, uh, I think we've seen a lot of downgrades. And again, they have been tied to the, the cyclicality of, of the chip sector, even though um, there is a capex cycle that I think people should be pretty excited about. So like AMAT.
1: Courtney, what to you is so bad that it is good? Yeah, so
3: she- um, honestly, I had I had trouble looking at this. I was looking at a lot of your worst performers in the SPF 100, but a lot of those like big tech firms are still expensive. So what I was looking for is things that I do th- still think have a good valuation and can continue to do well here. That actually did bring me to my autos, which I know we've talked about previously. They've only gotten cheaper. Um, but say, look at something like a GM, which is down 45% since the beginning of the year. It trades at less than five times next year's earnings. And I do think that a lot of this is assuming that the consumer is going to have problems going forward in the car industry as <coughs> interest rates are risen. But I don't know if that demand pull forward is over yet. I think there's probably going to be a lot of demand as we move forward and I think you want to want to play this space.
4: Dan, so bad it's good. Yeah, mine would be Shopify. Here's a company that has a quarter of its market cap in cash. It's down 86% on the year. This reminds me so much of 2002, of some of these companies that were really disruptive, very innovative, overshot to the upside on a valuation basis here. They swung to a loss on a gap basis this year. But I think estimates are down low enough here in around this $25, $26 level. Expected to grow revenues 20% plus a year for the next few years here. So, again, I like the this one, I think, in all of these names, stocks that are down 86, percent they can still go down a lot more. Yeah. I think you start averaging into a name like Shopify here.
1: All right. So, Guy, do you understand? I was worried about this game um, in relation to you and you understanding the rules of it, the context, mm-hmm. the premise. So bad. Mm-hmm. The chart looks really bad, but it may be a great opportunity. So bad, she really it's slowed good. it down for him. Yeah. That was so nice. What would you think? gentle.
5: And 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 the rest of the gang. Uh, help me, because I, cause I was going to say asked? my haircut. Yeah, I was, you know, I was going to say because that haircut is pretty damn bad. But what makes it so good? But I'm going to say City, letter C, which I teased earlier in the show. Uh, today it traded at forty dollars. Tangible book last quarter was eighty dollars. Even I can do that math. Trading at fifty percent of tangible book is just dumb. So I think City, letter C, <laughs> into earnings so bad, Melms, it's good
1: all right well played all of you. you you follow the rules proud of you guy we're going to start with final trades here and we're going to start with you so I'll give you five seconds okay <laughs> ready <To> get- final <laughs> trades
5: <laughs> to gather my <laughs> thoughts look yeah. at
2: Marathon Petroleum MPC off to the races Tim Delta Airlines, we just talked about it. If you looked at that CPI number, airfares are up 42% year over year, and yet airline stocks are down 35%. Great guide for the fourth quarter. After a good performance in the third quarter, Delta's chief.
1: Courtney,
3: Uh, take a look at CVS here. I know we were talking a little earlier about Walgreens, but I do think some of that pharmaceutical healthcare space is attractive. I think there's a larger, more diversified um, place to look.
1: Dan, how do you feel about not being short Tesla anymore? Do you feel like a piece of you is missing?
4: Um, Not really, because I'm going to just still (laughs) bring the fire emoji on the whole situation here. I think it's just a big... Mess, but but we'll see about that as we get to their earnings. You know, SMH, here's one that, again, we talked about this a little bit. I think you have to start thinking about what's on your buy list and how do you get into that buy list. It's not a point in time. You're going to have to average it on these things. This ETF was trading 167 this morning, closed at 181, and that low was 150 from March of 2020. So I think you start averaging into this one very soon.
1: All right. Thanks for watching Fast. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.